Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to show number 262 from Engage for Success. Uh, I'm Jo Moffitt. I'm host for today's show. And for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am founder and managing director of Woodread. And at Woodread, we specialize in using our clients' brands and the techniques and creative approaches that marketeers use with brands externally. But we apply that thinking and that approach inside organizations to help them to create high-performing cultures. Um, And I'm very pleased to um, share uh, the title of of today's show with you. So today we're going to be talking about how an organization, in this case it's Her Majesty's Passport Office, um, are using and have been using uh, customer champions to develop a world-class customer experience. So really using customer champions as the voice of the customer. Uh, to help to uh, develop a better experience for for customers there. Um, And to help us talk about that and to share some um, experience and insights into the topic, I'm very pleased to be joined by our guest for this this week's show, Julia Law. Um, Julia is uh, head of um, or lead customer experience manager in the customer experience team at at Her Majesty's Passport Office. Uh, So welcome to the show, Julia, and thank you for joining us. Hi, Joel. Yeah, and thanks for having me on the show. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's an interesting, interesting topic to be talking about because um, certainly very, very dear to my heart is the concept that satisfied customers um, are the result of satisfied employees and that those two are so intrinsically linked. So um, it'll be really interesting to see, um, talk to you a little bit more about how you've gone about uh, creating this and, and, and undertaking this project. But before we do that, perhaps you can just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself professionally. What's, what's your background? Sure. Well, actually, I've worked at Her Majesty's Passport Office for almost 30 years now. Um, right. So as you can imagine, over that time, I've, I've worked in you know a variety of departments and roles across the business, and mm-hmm. pretty much everything, to be honest. Um, but I've been in my current role in the customer experience team, and that sits within the wider customer assurance function at HMPO. Uh, and I've been in the team for about four years now. Um, mm-hmm. And the team just sort of looks at the continuous improvement of our operational processes and policies and the service that we deliver to our customers to ensure we deliver our aspiration of, of providing a, a world-class customer experience. Right, right. And um, so... Perhaps if you've been doing, you've been involved in this team for four years. Was the was this program, the Customer Champions program, in, in place when you joined, or was it something that you've been involved in from the very beginning? No, uh, it was actually um, we we had the idea that we we've always been very proud of the customer experience that we deliver, but we wanted mm-hmm. to develop a, a more sort of customer centric culture within um, the organization and make sure that all our staff understood how important they were, the part that they would play in delivering this. But the yes. idea of a customer champion network uh, actually came about when our director general, uh, Mark Thompson, joined the organization. Um, so a few years ago when he came, he proposed that we, we set up this customer champion network and just had a very sort of brief idea in his own head about how that would look and work, but mm-hmm. basically tasked me with sort of going ahead and, and looking into it and developing that network. 
Right. Um, okay. So yeah, it was it was new to the the organisation and for for me. Yeah. Right. And um, tell us a little bit, if you would, before we get into the detail of it, just paint the picture a little bit of Her Majesty's Passport Office. Um, I mean, it's it's in the singular, Her Majesty's Passport Office, but I imagine it it, it isn't just one site. Would that be right? Yeah, of course. It's um, Majesty's Passport Office is part of the Home Office. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, our main purpose is to issue passports to British nationals, um, but we're also in charge of civil registration of births, deaths, marriages and adoptions across England and Wales, um, because the GRO, the General Register Office, is also part of our business. Oh, right. so, so, as well as the GRO, which is based in Southport, we've also got seven passport processing offices across the UK. I'm mm-hmm. based in the Glasgow office, but we've also mm-hmm. got offices in Belfast, Durham, Liverpool, Peterborough, Newport, and London. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, we have around 10 smaller offices which carry out identity interviews for adult customers that are applying for their first passport. Right. And we've also got a customer contact centre that's based in Southport, and they deal with telephone calls, correspondence, and complaints from customers. Right, right. So, so, so pretty nationally spread then. Um, and what kind of numbers of employees are we talking about, Julia? Um, <laughs> um, I think around four thousand um, right. across the whole business. Um, right. And that we we issue over six million passports um, to British nationals a year, both in the UK and abroad. Um, although all our staff are based here in the UK, we took over responsibility from the FCO, from the Foreign and Commonwealth Office, for mm-hmm. all customers resident overseas maybe about five or six years ago. Right, right. I, I lost your connection just a tad at that point. Did you say six million a year? Yep, that's right. Over six Good million great. passports a year. Wow, that's phenomenal. I had no idea it was in those sorts of figures. That, that is really quite incredible. So, an enormous amount of customer interaction then. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And, and is, is, does, uh, of those sort of roughly 4,000 or so people that are part of the, of the Her Majesty's Passport Office, what sort of proportion of those people would consider themselves to be customer-facing? I would say about 75% of our staff are customer-facing mm-hmm. to some extent mm-hmm. or another. Um, not only obviously do we have external customers but internal customers as well Um, but about 75% I would say are are customer facing externally to the the public Mm. Mm. okay so so when um, when Mark Thompson came in he he kind of mooted this idea of a a customer champions Um, was there some was there some issue that that came about to address, or was it just that that seemed like a sensible evolution of what you had already been doing? It just seemed like a sensible evolution. As I said, we were already very proud of the, the customer mm. service that we did deliver, but um, he is very customer focused and just wanted us to sort of forever evolve and improve the service. And um, the idea of customer champions was was something that would help us do that. Yes, yes, I've got you. Okay, and um, so how did you go about how did you go about setting up the customer champions then? So I asked staff to volunteer. I didn't want it to be 
something that people were told they would do um, uh-huh. because obviously you're not going to attract the, um, the right kind of um, staff for that. Um, you know, I'm looking for genuinely customer-focused staff that are really motivated at improving customer service. And uh-huh. so I wanted staff to volunteer for that. So I gave a broad outline of, you know, what I anticipated the network and the role would look like and asked them just to um, give me a bit of an idea about their ideas for improving customer service and their commitment to uh-huh. customer service um, to select, you know, the, the best staff to become the customer champions. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. we ended up um, with, we've got um, over 100 champions across the business and uh-huh. we chose... Um, I wanted to get a real broad mix of people that would reflect the diverse customer groups that we have and ensure yes. that we've got coverage across, uh, you know, as I explained, all the sites across the UK. We have international customers, so just wanted to make sure that we had um, people to cover all of those areas and, and get the, the people that we, we felt truly valued our customers and would give their, their all to this role. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and do they um do they serve for a particular finite period or once they're a champion and once you're a champion are you always a champion? I'd like to think once you're a champion you're always a champion. Obviously the group changes slightly if if staff leave um, uh-huh. or occasionally if if staff are transferred to another role for a short period of time they might feel that they don't have you know the, the time. Um, to commit to the champion role it's something that they do on top of their day job and so um, you know occasionally staff might take a, a backward step for, for a short while um, but they, they all do tend to, to come back at some point mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. and was there some kind of selection process I and mean, did they have to demonstrate their, their credentials or was it more was it, was it just um, or we've got, we've, you know, we've got enough so that's fine well, no, we, we did ask them to, to fill in a sort of expression of interest and just, uh-huh. you know, sort of relate their ideas about customer service and why they really wanted to be a customer champion in, you know, a, a small amount of words. I think it was about 500 words. Um, and then we did um, select staff from that. To be perfectly honest, I think that, you know, anyone that was willing to, to go to that extent of actually filling in the expression of interest and, and could show their commitment. Pretty much everyone that volunteered to, to be a customer champion, we did then take them on board into the network. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, um, which kind of leads us really very nicely into my next question, really. So, so you, um, clearly you wanted to make sure you've got a broad mix, um, and I, you know, that make, makes obvious sense. So um, what, do they, what do you actually get them to do? Uh, what, what's, what's their brief? Um, well, it's in some respects um, very open for them. I mean, we do recognise that um, they have, you know, great insight into our customers, um, and we are looking for them actually to identify areas for improvement and, you know, action plan improvements. Um, mm-hmm. They they are able to give us the vital insight into customers. I think just because you know they deal with our customers on a day-to-day basis. Um, but not only do they hear from our customers, they also understand our business. So that helps them to understand any constraints that we're working under. And I think that makes them really best place to know what's possible to deliver in the best way that we can. So, um, so not only collecting customer insight, by collecting the staff insight on this as well, we, we really do get to the bottom of, of problems that 
customers are experiencing. And right. I'm really just looking for the champions to um, highlight those and, and to work together to to come up with solutions to improve customer service. So mm-hmm. they work in a... Sorry, go on. I was just going to say they work in a very non-hierarchical way. It, it doesn't matter what grade they are. There's no manager. Although mm-hmm. they get guidance and support from myself and my team, they very much work together um, themselves to identify issues and, and to suggest solutions to them. Right. So, so let's let's assume I'm a I'm a customer champion uh, in your team, in your in your organisation. Um, do I if I if I've got some insight, I've got an idea, and I thought actually you know we really ought to do this or this is an issue that I think is I'm coming across over and over again do they feed back to you independently or do they come back to you as a group with their kind of consensus across things um they um they they feed back uh in either way to be perfectly honest they Mm -hmm. they do um speak to each other very much so they so they may well already have worked up a bit of a plan together and then they'll mm-hmm. come to me um, to, to feed it back and particularly if they need some some further support um, to, to deliver a solution. They, they tend to deal with, with not just um, small scale things, they'll deliver improvements for small local improvements for things that are just within their local office, but they also work on um, solutions to other issues that you know have a much more national impact mm-hmm. so um i mean for example kind of locally yes. within offices um they'll, they'll make sure that customers coming into our public counters ha- are um you know receiving the best service possible i'm aware that um some offices have influenced councils for example to uh, improve signage within city centers so customers can find their offices much more easily um mm-hmm. they've developed um, sort of city centre maps so when customers um, come to collect a passport if they're um, using our premium service the passport's ready in four hours so you know customers might be killing some time locally and they've developed maps that will point out you know sort of areas of interest or important Mm -hmm. buildings within Mm -hmm. the city centre just to help customers um, spend some time while they're waiting for the passport right right okay yeah, it's interesting you should you should talk about that because I actually experienced that myself um, a few weeks ago. I had to go to the I had to go to the local registrar. Um, at, so this is what I, which I had no idea was part of until you told me us ten minutes ago was part of Her Majesty's passport office. So I had to go and register a death, and I had I did not know because this isn't something you do every day, is it? It's not something even if it's a whether it's a birth, marriage, or a death. It's not something that we as citizens do regularly. Um, so you tend not to necessarily know where places are, um, and it turned turned out to be in, in um, I don't know, on the third floor of the local library in a town about 15 minutes away from where I live. And I literally no idea it was there, but uh, and now I know that it was one of your people. I will tell you that they looked after me incredibly well, and I got very very good service. So so that's all that's all good. Um, so so there might be local stuff. So I can understand how they could. Um, work in a kind of local way but if they're working on something that's got more of a sort of national um, impact or addressing some kind of more widespread scale, uh, 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 example of something how how do they how do they interconnect how do they communicate amongst themselves yeah I mean admittedly it can be difficult um, 
to give support and to communicate with with such a sort of big geographically dispersed team. It, it is a challenge. Um, but we do support each other. So my team um, chairs monthly conference calls where mm-hmm. we've got a variety of topics and obviously we discuss um, service improvements. So they they can speak to each other uh, monthly on those calls. We also mm-hmm. organise quarterly conferences where we all meet up face-to-face and that gives them the opportunity to network with each other, sort of share best practice and, you know, just generally get to know each other better and, and yeah. keep in contact with each other. Um, yeah. And we've also have an email group. We use Yammer, which is a sort of work oh, yeah. social media site platform, so we can share mm-hmm. stories on there, generally mm-hmm. keep in touch. So although mm-hmm. it can be challenging, we, we have um, sort of improved that over time and um, they, they do very much network and, and know um, how to contact each other and to get support from each other. And mm, they have mm. worked on various sort of national in, initiatives that um, mm. they couldn't have done if they, they hadn't been able to, to support each other in that way. Sure. So, so somebody might say in one of those environments, whether it be on Yammer or the conference call, someone might come up with something and say, well, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing such and such an issue. Is anyone else? Is anyone else experiencing that, or do you think this might be something that would be useful for the wider group, or do you think this is local? And they sort of float float their thoughts in that way, do they? Exactly. That's exactly mm. how it works. Mm. And they mm. can all then um, sort of look to see whether, yes, it does impact um, various different offices and, and how they can support each other, and then they'll, they'll agree how they're going to take it forward, you know, mm-hmm. sort of either um, giving up tasks, to do or someone to take the lead and um, it, it does work very well in that way. Mm. And do they have to get budgetary sign-off or do they have to get approval from somebody to, to do things or is there a sort of guidelines of well if it if it impacts in this way then you are allowed to just go away and do it but if it's I don't know different scale then you have to get you have to write a proposal and get sign off in triplicate or you know, how does how do they actually make these changes happen yeah exactly as you you um described there if it's a small scale local change they might just run it past their, their local senior managers mm-hmm. um if it's something much more national my team would be very involved in that to make sure that they are following sort of proper change assurance protocol and you know um, considering all customer impacts and uh, we do have a change assurance process that we would make sure that any big changes went through to make sure that, um, you know, they weren't doing A in one spot, which then impacts B elsewhere, and they hadn't considered that. And obviously, yes. if, if money's required, if there is, um, you know, sort of budget required, then my team would, would help them and, and take the lead in, in organising all of that for them. Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. So, so you, you talked about some of the Give me some examples of the local, the local um, improvements, perhaps around working with councils or improving signage and so on. Can can you share with our listeners um, any other examples that are um, able to be shared in a public, you know, publicly, uh, Julia, about just some, to to bring some colour to what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, certainly um, nationally, we've been doing a lot of work um, recently around reviewing our customer guidance to ensure mm-hmm. that it's clear and fit for purpose what we really want to do is help customers 
uh, by reducing the number of mistakes that they make on applications so that oh, okay. they yeah. aren't impacted with by that. We do recognise that, you know, customers um, do have challenges in some areas and uh, I think the champion, champions are sort of really well placed to work on these things because they know on a daily basis what errors um, customers make and the mm-hmm. areas that they have most difficulty with. So they have been heavily involved with customer assurance in reviewing all of our customer guidance and making sure that it is in plain English and is clear and concise. And they've given a whole lot of feedback um, to make sure that we we get that right for our customers. And we're already seeing um, improvements in the the number of errors, the number of applications that are incorrect. Mm So that's been a a, a huge help to customer assurance to get their input on that. Um, They also were heavily involved in, um, you know, sort of been developing our our standards and values of of what we think staff should be doing to deliver a world-class customer experience. Um, Mm -hmm. The champions were heavily involved and took part in workshops to develop those values and then help Mm -hmm. promote them across the business in order to get the buy-in from everyone. So, um, you know, we're looking at them displaying these values and for them to to motivate and encourage all colleagues um, to do likewise. Yes, because I think one of the key, one of the kind of fundamental principles that you you kind of try to apply with this whole exercise is that it's customer service is not just the responsibility of the customer service. Just think you don't have to have the word customer service in your job title to have a responsibility for customer service. Absolutely. I mean, we promote that throughout Her Majesty's Passport Office that, you know, everyone has to take personal responsibility for customer service. Everyone has a big part to play in delivering it. And as you see, it's not a sort of faceless customer service team. It's everyone's responsibility. And the champions, Mm. um, you know, sort of show that to all of their colleagues every day by being out there and taking responsibility and motivating and encouraging colleagues to do likewise. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and how? Let me let's move on to that a little bit. So, um, how do you how do you um, acknowledge when people are behaving behaving in inverted commas, you know, in the right way? Yeah. Um, in various ways, um, we you know we recognise what the champions do um, just by sharing their success stories across the business and wider. We're we're very mm-hmm. proud to share the story. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sort of in forums like this, even for instance. Um, uh, so will have, you you'll be sharing you'll be sharing the link to the radio show with the network? I hope. Absolutely yes. Yeah. And the, yeah. the wider business to to hear this. Um, right. We also recognise them in a variety of ways. Just simple thank yous. I mean, mm-hmm. people can sometimes forget that a simple thank you is can often be you know sort of reward enough for some people. But we do also have thank you voucher schemes special mm-hmm. bonus schemes within our organization, obviously within our appraisal system. Um, you know, we recognize the, the work that staff do in that way. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Okay. And and in terms of the champions themselves, I mean, as you say, that showcasing what they've done, showcasing their success stories. Um, but I'm imagining the kind of people that have stepped forward to be a customer champion are, are, are probably probably pretty self-motivated people and are doing this because it's something they get a buzz out of as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, they're, they're always really pleased to 
to perhaps get something else to to reward them. But um, generally speaking, they are happy to do this um, because it's, it's what they want to do. They, they see the um, the benefit of it. They they want to deliver for the customer. They want to deliver for Her Majesty's passport office, and you know just the. The, the idea of improving services for customers and delivering that world-class customer services is enough for them. Yes. And, and do, they, um, do they actively request in, uh, feedback and uh, ask them as what they think? Or, or is, it, um, are they using, is it more that they're using their own experience and their own judgment to be the voice of the customer, you know, or is there a bit of both going on? A bit of both. I mean, we do carry out, as an organisation, we do carry out customer insight and obviously we get feedback from um, from surveys and also we're treating mm. customer complaints as feedback. Um, that's a, that's mm-hmm. a fabulous channel to, to mm-hmm. get feedback from. But in terms of the customer champions themselves, it really is just their day-to-day dealing with customers and using their experience and their initiative to, to understand um, where the, the issues and the challenges for customers lie. Yes, yes. Interesting. Really interesting. It made me chuckle, actually, when you were talking about reducing the number of mistakes on the forms because I know when I'm filling in passport applications either for myself or when my kids were younger you know applying for a passport for your child you've got this paranoia that you're going to write outside of the box and that you daren't you know and you know if I write it wrong and you know that you're just going to make a mistake or you're going to spell something wrong that you know perfectly well how to spell your child's name but you're going to write it (laughs) wrong I don't know it just puts you into this very very stressful situation of daring not to not to make a mistake and um, and it was funny actually when I went to the registrar to to register this uh, this death the other week um, I had to sign the form with a proper fountain pen and I was given a proper fountain pen and I haven't written with a proper fountain pen in living memory and of course I went to do my signature which I'll do perfectly fine umpteen times and of course, it, it was it just went all completely wrong. The, the, the first letter of my name was completely unrecognisable. So your colleague had to print it all out again for me, which she very kindly did with a smile. So as I say, it was a very uh, a very positive experience actually. Um, but apart from my own personal anecdotes, which obviously are you know an experience of one, um, do you think this is making a difference? Um, yeah, absolutely. And um, also, I mean, we're, we're moving more and more. I mean, we do recognize the challenges around paper applications and we are um, moving more and more towards digital and developing our services. So um, we do now have a, a fully digital autom- um, automated um, in terms of, you know, you don't have to fill in any paper or anything. You can apply for a, a renewal online now. You can upload your digital photograph online. Um, we have the, the signature from your previous passport already on our database, obviously. So um, in that respect, we have done a whole lot of work and um, we get fabulous feedback from that service, admittedly. It is so much simpler for customers uh, and we're working towards trying to get more and more sort of application types um, onto ah. a digital channel to make it easier Excellent. for customers because it's much more intuitive and it, you know if a customer's done something wrong along the way it advises them there and then as opposed there to then. having to yeah. wait for us to receive an application and then for us to contact you so absolutely um, well I shall definitely next time I renew I shall um I shall be using that service then in that case so yeah definitely. in fact I, I used it myself recently and I, I was 
um, despite the fact that I know all about it and how it works, I was I was even impressed myself using it. <laughs> Jolly good, excellent. And and the other thing, so you anything to do with the Tell Us Once system? Does that come through you? Is that part of yours? Well, we do, um, yeah, get information from the registrars um, to, to cancel passports of, um, yeah, deceased passport holders. Yeah. So we are involved that, in that, yes. That seemed like a neat idea instead of having to contact every government department separately. I've not appreciated that that, that happens as well. So, so, so how do you measure the um, success or, uh, you know, or otherwise? Well, I'm not going to say or otherwise, but the success of what you're doing, Julia. Um, we've been really proud of... Um, Results. I mean, for example, um, I sincerely believe the customer champions have been instrumental in, us, um, in some of the results we've received, both internally and externally, for our customer uh -huh. service. So, um, for example, the last three years in a row, we have been voted the top performing public sector organisation in the Institute of Customer Services Customer Satisfaction Index report. Um, and that is um, both public and private um, sector organisations are are ranked in this report. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, and we also won an award through the Institute of Customer Service. Um, uh, we were one of only two public sector organisations to to win. So that was um, something we're really proud of. And um, we also receive accreditation through Customer Service Excellence. Mm -hmm. um, we were um, extremely proud to have received 15 compliance plus ratings. So that's a sort of over and above the, the, the normal accreditation. Uh, and I sincerely believe that the, the customer champions have been instrumental in, um, in all of that. And mm -hmm. the work that they're doing, um, you know, just all the, the small things that they do on a daily basis um, all then, um, you know, sort of comes together and, um, and shows that um, this, um, fabulous customer service that we're now being recognised for delivering. It's a great story, Julia. It's a great story. It's taken us 30 minutes to give a real, just a very brief snapshot. Um, we have run out of time. So thank you so much for coming on the show and, and explaining how you've gone about it. And uh, so three years on the trot, um, I'll be getting you back in a year's time to, to tell me that you've made it four years in a row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, everyone, for listening. Julia, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and uh, it just remains for me to say goodbye. So goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work.